Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Force podcast. My name is Captain Rishthor Byrne and today I'd like to welcome onto the show three members of the first mechanised infantry company based here in the Defence Forces Training Centre in the Curragh Camp. So I'd like to welcome onto the show Lieutenant Shea Byrne, who's acting APC captain in the unit, Sergeant Dickie Conroy, the APC sergeant, and Private Evan Lynch, an APC crewman in the unit. And on today's show, we're going to discuss the recent infantry APC, or Armoured Personnel Carrier, upgrade. So, gents, you're very welcome on the show. Good morning, Richard. So, before we kind of get into the uh, Armoured Personnel Carrier upgrade, do you want to just give me a bit of background on yourselves so we just get to know you? So, Shay, if, if you want to kick off there. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, um, Lieutenant Shea Burns, my name. I joined the cadets in 2017, commissioned into one mech in 2019. From there, I would have gone through the driver training program and progressed on to the MOAG DRWS crewman's course in 2019. Following that, then I would have done my instructor course in the summer of 2020. I've served overseas twice, both in Unifil, Lebanon, and Undaf in Syria. And that's kind of my background in MOAGs and my overseas experience. So you're an instructor in the in the MOAG, in the APC? Yeah, correct, yeah. So my, my, my role in WOMEC would be the delivery of training for the Defence Forces, so running the crewman's courses and the instructor courses that we run each year. So Sarge Dickey, do you want to run through your bit of background? How's it going? Yeah, Sergeant Dickey Conroy. I've 21 years service. I joined in August 2001. Um, working with the cars since June 2013. Did my instructor course then in 2014. Um, I've served four trips overseas, two as a dismount and two as APC Sergeant in Undoff and in Lebanon. Um like LT Burn, I'm also an instructor, so I'll be tasked with maintaining the fleet and instructing on the courses throughout the year. Um, when you say CARES, that's kind of your kind oh, of sorry, local a, term for yeah, the MOAG, except the APC. Yeah. yeah, excellent. And then Evan, yourself? So, Private Evan Lynch is my name. I joined the Defence Forces in 2013. I would have spent three years down in 12th Battalion until I returned back to Womack. Mm-hmm. I did my course in 2017 for the APC. Uh, first trip in 2019 to Syria and... Second trip in 21 to Lebanon, and since then I'm back as an APC crewman in the unit, and I'm also over the tech store as well. And when we say one mech as well, we're talking about first mechanised infantry company. It's just the kind of abbreviation we have for it. So before we kind of get into uh, the, the upgrade itself for the kind of different iterations, uh, we're going to talk about the, the older iteration first and then how, how, how the upgrade has changed. Um, Shay, do you want to give me a bit of background on the actual unit itself, one mechanised infantry company? It has a kind of unique place in the Defence Forces. Yeah, so the first mechanised infantry company, I suppose, former members or former serving members would know it as the old B company of the 3rd Battalion, mm-hmm. uh, located in the Defence Forces Training Centre, as you've said. Uh, I suppose we're a busy and u- unique unit in that we have a, an operational line element that would carry out the same uh, infantry duties as any other infantry battalion in, in the Defence Forces. And then we also have uh, training output for the Defence Forces. So we're the centralised uh, infantry armoury unit mm-hmm. uh, we we provide all the training for any potential crewmen or instructors throughout the year uh, the primary focus of one mech would be external and internal training as i said we run drws crewmen's courses gunnery instructor courses and we also have run conversion training which was from the old helio platform to the new dual remote weapon system platform and um, secondary support then we we uh, provide situational training exercises as part of pre-deployment training. Um, 
any soldier that goes overseas mm-hmm. would be assessed uh, by one mech in counter ID and anti ambush skills. And uh, we also provide LFTT assistance, uh, which is live fire tactical training mm-hmm. to any overseas units. And we also conduct our own LFTT throughout the year in the unit. I suppose just to give you an idea of the level of instruction provided by one mech. Out of from 2021, we did 29 weeks instruction, so right through the year, and we qualified 71 crewmen right. uh, as part of our training programs. Excellent. So it'd be safe to say you have really a unique position of maintaining and training all our crewmen within the infantry crewmen within the defence forces. Yep. So we might talk initially about the first MOG that we got in and that kind of platform and how that worked, and then we can move on to the, the upgrades we've got recently and how, how it's improved. So, Decky, do you want to talk me through kind of the, the previous model or the previous platform? Yeah, the previous model would have come into service in 2001, so the planning would have started back in probably 98, 99. Of what car they wanted, um, the cars have served as well. They've, they've seen service in, in Africa. They've done the battle group in Sweden. They've been to the Middle East in Lebanon and Syria at the moment, so they've they've seen a lot and they've they've got through that as well. So, so and you you've been away overseas in kind of diff, loads of different conditions with 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 the, with the Moex itself. Yeah, my first overseas trip would have been as a dismount, so I would have been in the back of the car in mm-hmm. your section, your your rifleman. Um, my day to day experience with them would just be your, your patrols that you would be doing in around the towns or the city of Monrovia, then your long range, which would be go further into the country. Seeing the crewmen, seeing the the different roads, the cars we're travelling on, and what they've been put through. Uh, did Chad then would have been a more different environment from what Liberia would have been, more desert. Again, the cars were put through their paces there, mm-hmm. and they served as well. And when in Chad, were you dismount as well? Dismount Chad again, yeah. So you would have been out. I think Chad was where you did like five, six, seven day patrols. It would have been, yeah. So you would have left the camp probably on a Monday morning. You wouldn't get back then until Friday afternoon. So and so you're living in the back of the yeah, uh, self sufficient the them, yeah. So the, the crews did work in the cars when we stopped. Dismount to be secure, and then that was your routine kind of with patrols. So as a crew over there, like you're maintaining the mo. Yeah, it, so it's, it's, it's two in the crew. Yeah, so yeah. Their job would be mainly during the day, we obviously driving and then gunning. They could swap around depending on, on the driving we've done that day. And then at night time when we'd stop for uh, the dismount would set security and the crews would start their, their daily maintenance of the car. So it's a, so it's a big job over there. It so. is, it's big. You're kept going. Like there's, every day is busy. No one sits around on the cars. Yet. There's mm. always something to be done on them. So then, Evan, yourself. So, Shay, you've only <laughs> known the, the kind of newer iteration. Decky, you've kind of got a bit of both. And same with yourself, Evan, you've got a bit of both. Small bit, would have been kind of 50-50 for me. So yeah. what's your previous experience of, of the Moig overseas? So my first trip, I would have actually went as a dismount, but okay. I was driver qualified at the time, so, so you, I was you kind of getting stopped in and out, depending okay. on if they were down drivers, I would have stepped in and helped them out. So it would have been more the driver's side than the gunner's side for me. But um, and, and where was that? Uh, that would have been Syria, my Syria. first one in 2019. So, so you would have been kind of driving in around Syria with yeah, the bike. Yeah. So then um, you've, you've plenty of experience with the with the older platform. Can you talk to me about it then? Um, we'll say even for the, the gunnery side of it, so you're, you do the, where you're firing the weapons, and then we might talk to yourself, Evan, about the driving side. Yeah. But Decky, yourself first. Yeah, so the old turret would have been your F, FET uh, turret. It would have been a one-man turret, so... You're down, you're under hard shell of the, the armour car. You have your, your main weapon, which would be a 0.5, and then your coax would be your 7.62, be your, your GPMG weapon. So that's uh, your secondary kind of Secondary weapon, weapon yeah. yeah, it would be your backup. Um, again, everything is not as up-to-date as we have now, but everything would have been handy. You wouldn't have anything. You had your thumb control, which turned the turret, or then if that failed, 
you went mechanically where you just hand hand turn the turret around and operate the weapons that way with your full firing. So you're firing with your foot? Yeah, so you fire, you fire electrically, which could be on the, the hand grip, or you go mechanically, which would be a foot pedal. You just switch over, and then you can go between both then if, you, if you need to be. So you have a 0.5 or 50 cal, as some of the, the guys might play college, usually my listener might know, and then you have a 7.62 kind of machine gun. Yeah. So then how, how, how are you taking aim, or what's the sights like? How, what's the uh, You're looking through your sights, so you have your, your, your reticle, you'd be looking through, you'd have your, your graticles of your ranges around like that. You'd also have your laser range finder on that, so you hit button, you get your range, and then that give you an idea of okay. what, what graticle to go to. Um, you're looking through that. Again, the weapon would be right on your right shoulder, so it's very close proximity. You do feel it, the, the shock and, mm-hmm. and the grit coming back at you. If you had a problem with your main weapon, you go to your coax straight away. It's, it's a simple flitch of switch mm-hmm. on your EDB. So change down, go to your, your coax and continue on firing. So all this is done, I'm assuming, when you're firing, it hatches down. Hatches down, so yes. you're buttoned down. And what are you looking through? Is, if, can you explain? Is it like a periscope or is it a tight field of vision? Yeah, the gunner himself, he'd be looking through the sights. That'd be his main main focus. But he'd also have periscopes around his head. You'd have six over his head. So if you needed to turn his head and see what was behind the car or to the side of it, and talk to the driver, he could do that. But you, you would, would it be fair to say you're kind of restricted to that kind of letterbox yeah. of a vision? You're restricted to just looking through your reticle. You, you're very limited view. You're just seeing what the, the sight you're seeing. You can't, can't deviate from that. So then, Evan, yourself, then driving-wise in, in, the, in the older platform, again, you have periscopes like a little letterbox, or, or how, how, how does it work? Yeah, so it's maybe each one is, I'd say, to put it in easier context, size of an iPhone. Okay. Close enough seeing through that. So how so many iPhones are you looking through? So you would have... Three main ones, one okay. to the front and left and right. Um, there's no such thing as cameras then, so yeah. you're kind of, wherever you're seeing in front of you is all you can see. And then when you can take back or side to the car, you're more dependent on your gunner or whoever was the additional commander in the car okay. for directing you back or side to side. So in terms of driving at night then, potentially you're driving with your hatch down, driving at night, there's firing going on. How do you see then at, at night? Is there is there night-assisted periscopes or how, how do you see at night? Yeah, so you still, you have your three periscopes. Um, the middle periscope actually releases from the car. Okay. And your naps, your night-assisted periscope slides in to where the middle periscope would have been, like a replacement. Um, and that's night that, vision? It does have night vision, yeah. like you are saying before, if anyone is no one to call it duty or anything it's just green it's like a green screen okay. yeah so yeah. it does have a small field of vision you like the movement kind of goes manually off to sort of force your helmet against it left or right it's not much so mm-hmm. it's not for so again you've gone gone from a, a normal iphone slit to a green one now is it yeah. in the same kind of same size? No, it'd be more it'd be circle circle so, okay instead of like the rectangular shape so that must be very difficult to actually drive in in them kind of conditions can you talk to me through that or what's it like yeah, so if you're driving in and you go to the more tactical side of things, um, the Moai does have uh, tactical lights now to the normal human eye. They won't be that visible. Whereas it comes to, if you're looking at it through the naps, it's almost like someone is shining the torch in your face. Oh, it is. So is it like an infrared or something? Or? So it'll be along the infrared lines, yeah. Um, it's a very, very weak light. Okay. But once you see it through the infrared lens, it's, it's illuminating the whole road almost. Okay, so but, yeah. Um, it's very handy, especially if cars are driving in front of you. Yeah. If, you're looking at normally, you, you can't see much at all. But once you're looking at it through the naps, it, it's like it's almost like daytime the lights are. So if you have your naps on and you have your, your IR lights at the low lights on, it actually lights up the road for you. Yeah, it lights up everything. So it does. But if I was standing outside, like the Moeg on... Uh, very, like, very hard to see. You'd be doing very well. The visibility the of it's eye. extremely low. Okay. So it Real tactical element to it. Yeah, it is, yeah. 
So we've got a, a good feel there for what the old system looked like. Uh, but recently there was a decision made specifically to upgrade the infantry uh, APCs, what we're talking about today, because we know the cavalry have their own APCs and they've had their upgrades and that they're continuing their own upgrades kind of alongside it. But can you talk to me specifically, Shay, about the decision to upgrade the, the infantry APC? Yeah, Richard. So I suppose you can gather from listening to Sergeant Conroy and Private Lynch there that Moag APC has been a workhorse of the Irish Infantry for approximately the last 20 years. Um, the Moag was about 15 years into a 30-year life cycle back in uh, 2015, 2014, when it was decided that a board should be convened. From there, um, in conjunction with General Dynamics, European Land uh, Systems, Moag, it was decided that 10 Moags at a time would go for uh, midlife upgrade. Uh, the scope of the upgrade, I suppose, included um, the new weapon system, so a dual remote weapon system, um, enhanced seating arrangements, the local situational awareness system, uh, in- increased protection, I suppose, for the dismounts inside, which included a ballistic floor blanket, a new fire suppression system. In terms of the power pack and the engine itself, that got a full refurb, and there was driveline and suspension maintenance as well. Um, there was new internal storage put in, so uh, the concept changed a small bit to the fight light system, where we could pack for about 48 hours of operations now versus the long-range patrols that, that Sergeant Connery would have talked about. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of the general scope of the work. Uh, the full fleet, except for two, I think two ambulances, have been fully upgraded, and they've been rolled out to both Lebanon and Syria and on island here. Excellent. So they're, they're home and overseas. So yeah. You, we're utilizing the, the new upgrades. Yeah. So we're fully operational in, in both overseas deployments in Syria and Lebanon. And, and we're using them both here for on-island training, pre-deployment training and any exercises we conduct. Lovely. So you've got now, your, can you uh, yeah. upgrades? So what does that look like then for the actual practical use of it? So maybe the gunnery, if you want to talk me to Techie, can you even compare what it like to the previous, the previous gun, uh, the gunnery? Yeah, well, in the, as I said, in the old turret, you, everything was, you're in a cage, you're, you're boxed in with the weapons on your shoulder, mm-hmm. close your shoulder. Now with the new system, the weapons are above the car, you're below it. You don't have to get out unless you need to reload the weapon or anything like that. Um, you don't look through the site now, you have a screen. We call it the FCU, which is your fire control unit. Mm-hmm. So that has every function you need. That's all your targetry, your, your TI, everything is done on this. You'll have your, your buttons on the side that you can charge the weapon which would be just cock it for us okay um you'd also have your laser range finder but going off that we would have our control grip which is our, our hand control that controls the movement of the the weapon we also any function that can be done on the su can be done on on this or on the control grip okay so is it like a it's a screen with a joystick so it's more like a computer <coughs> computer game nearly than where you were actually in the turret manually moving stuff previously yeah so on the old turret i said you had you had electri- electrical but manually you used to be able to move as well. Now it's all electronic. It's uh, hooked in with the wires, so everything's done. They firing the weapon. You, your fire button, your your uh, your laser range finder button is on the the control grip. So it is one for it is screen and. So then I'd say your field of vision, like your if, if you're acquiring targets, everything is improved. I'm assuming. Yeah, everything. You have a wider field of view. You have again. You, a lot more awareness. Your your periscopes are still there, but you, you're not looking at them as much. You just move mm-hmm. the weapon station. You can see all around the car. You know what's going on. 
I suppose the per- periscopes need to be there just in case there's a yeah. systems failure or anything like that. But you always have backup, yeah. Um, so again, fire, fire, and then is it just pressing a button uh, on a joystick? Yeah. So you acquire your target on the screen. So mm-hmm. on the ranges, we we acquire the target, and then we just squeeze the trigger and watch your shots. Then okay. adjust if you have to. And then, do you still have the same weaponry? The 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 uh, the point five uh, fifty cal and the kind of seven six two machine gun. Yeah, in the old turrets, we we were limited just to your point five and your coaxes, only weapons on okay. the infantry variant. But when the refurb happened, we were given the the option then to put the forty mil grenade machine gun on the car, so okay. it gave the infantry variant a different weapon. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's up to the company commander or the commander on the ground what cars he wants to have with which weapon. You could mm-hmm. go just all cars, 0.5 and coax, or you can go with the, the GMG to 40 mil. So it's just another variation. Yeah, so okay. it just gave the infantry a different weapon that we have we didn't have in the car before. And obviously more room, everything's around you. You're not searching for things or mm-hmm. anything like that. Pulling the, the ammunition boxes up, everything is there, already, all ready to go. And I'm assuming that that screen has your night vision Terminal imager and the whole lot. Yeah, so again, everything's on buttons on the left hand side of the screen. So if we need on the SCU, just hit our, our day and night site, it goes from day high or day to the night. And it's funny enough, I think we have a video recently on our social media of the guys overseas using the weapon system yeah. and, the, and the infantry variant of it. So if, if anyone's interested in that kind of whole thing, they can check out our social media. There's definitely a few videos up there and including yourselves on, on your own Twitter. Um, is there any other differences in the firing or the, the gunnery section or the gunnery side of the, the upgrade? Um, yeah, obviously going back to the old car again, uh, the gunner was kind of self Well, after each round he kind of had to readjust his fire. The, the, the stability wasn't there in the car, so it was all in the gunner. Mm-hmm. He's critical of what he's seen through sights. But since we've gone to the new car now and the stability is on, and when I mention stability, it just means that the car can move but the weapon will stay on target at all okay, times that okay. whatever the gunner's looking at so mm. for people outside looking the car could be going one way but the weapon is pointing so it's nearly locked on yeah it's locked yeah. on the movement of the weapon of where the target is so the gunner happened to worry about that compared to the old car excellent yeah. so it all feeds into more like more effective firing target acquisition yeah. and also firing uh, feeding into being able to fire when you move as well yeah there must be strange sights to see a MOI going one way and then but it the turret potent, potentially swinging completely the other way like moving on the old cars like if the gunner he'd have to pick his point and move in that and then he if the car moved the gunner the turret could move as well okay. so like going back to the or on the new system and the new car the new APC um, like it, it is done so when you're on the range and you're looking down and you see a car going left but the, the weapon is pointing way to the right like you, it is like you yeah, think he's off yeah it is strange yeah, yeah. but <laughs> But uh, no, it is, it is a big benefit now for the infantry fleet and, mm-hmm. and the defence forces that all all APCs do have the, the capability of firing on the move. Excellent. I suppose, Richard, just to come in there, I suppose mm-hmm. when we are running our training ranges, it's something that uh, we've enhanced our training capability now where there's a lot more options on how we can conduct range practices. Mm-hmm. Um, as Decky said, it, it, you would have to come to a static position to fire, mm-hmm. but now we can utilise more of the training area in predominantly the Glen of Amal. So we, we can test ourselves a small bit more mm-hmm. and we're constantly building um, all the time. And just when I'm thinking about driving and firing, Evan, I'm assuming it's it's much improved. You're not looking through your iPhone letterbox anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I, I suppose the easiest way to put it would be the iPhone's gone and the iPad's in now. So, right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, when it touches down now, you have your screen. So it, It's roughly about the same size as an iPad. Okay, the screen yeah. falls down Um and instead of your naps, just having your one field of vision straight in front of you, it's almost 360 now. So you have your front camera, your back camera, 
your left and right. Um, Confidence-wise, it's you feel a lot more safer, you feel a lot more secure. You're not kind of relying on your car commander or your gunner mm-hmm. saying, watch your left, watch your right, watch your behind. Like yeah. it's, it is, it's a lot more easy the way it is now. So, it is. so where previously you'd be relying on the dismount commander in the back to give you directions, yeah. particularly probably reversing and even trying to look at your mirrors through periscope. And especially now like have, when they're looking at the periscope at the back yeah. as well and it's pitch black, it's, it's difficult. They, they're probably seeing as much as you can. So yeah. So now you've nearly 360 view with, with cameras. Is Pretty it? much 360 and then the cameras have your, your capability as well. Uh, so day and night. So, so your screen again has your night vision, your inf- infrared, night so vision, day vision, and it would be the same. It still picks up uh, your attack lights, okay. same as the NAPS would. Just obviously the the quality of the cameras would be a lot better. So, would. so life is a lot easier for, for the. A lot easier, so it is. Thank God. How do I, as maybe a private sitting in a unit, infantry unit, um, in the defence force at the moment, or even a boy or girl sitting at home looking to join the defence force? How do I get myself in the driver's seat or the gunnery seat of one of these new MOEGs? I suppose if you if you want to take it from the perspective of someone potentially going to join the defence forces, mm-hmm. obviously you complete your recruit training and your two to three star training course first. Uh, from there, then your career progression, you should be looking at driving courses. So, to give you a brief overview of that, um, you'll conduct training on the Toyota Land Cruiser within the defence forces, and then you progress on to uh, transit. And then onto a truck course, which is the equivalent of a uh, full C license. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, then, you, that's when you would come to one mech then to do a, a more DRWS crewman's course. So in addition to the driving courses, you'd also require a HMG, heavy machine gun, young entry course. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a basic overview of the course, I suppose. It's a nine-week course. It's broke into uh, different smaller modules, mm-hmm. so... So week one is your introduction to the vehicle and vehicle systems. So everything from the braking system to the cooling system and um, how the engine works. And this allows you to carry out general maintenance and identify issues with the vehicle. And mm-hmm. um, from week one, we'd introduce you to uh, a limited amount of driving mm-hmm. in a very controlled environment. Week two, then we progress on to local roads and um, week three then you progress to your cross-country driving assessment. So this would be an assessment conducted on an off-road track in the hatches down position. Uh, as Private Lynch discussed earlier, you'd be using your driver's monitor for this. Mm. So it's a very um, uh, technical test. You're driving a course through fording pools, undulating terrain, using your driving driver's monitor. Once you pass your cross-country driving assessment, then you progress onto your road test, mm-hmm. which is very similar to the road test you would do in your civilian vehicle. Mm-hmm. So you're in and out of towns, local managing local traffic, different times of the day. And the same rules apply if you hit a curb. Um, if you get a certain number of marks, then you'd fail the road test. Mm-hmm. You also do a garage parking assessment where you're required to reverse the vehicle uh, into a narrow parking space. And you do a judging distance assessment. So from 100 metres, you have to judge on whether you can drive the vehicle through um, a, a gate, essentially, that you determine the width of. So that's all comprised in your driving assessment uh, phase of the course. Once you complete your, your driving phase, you move on to your gunnery. Mm-hmm. So you get your introduction to the uh, grenade machine gun, to the dual remote weapon system, to the heavy machine gun, and how they operate, how to you go through the basics from how to mount them on the system, mm-hmm. how to um, troubleshoot with them, 
clear any uh, issues you may have, any stoppages that occur in, in terms of ammunition jamming, mm-hmm. and just to operate them to their full capability. You do all your training and then you do an assessment at the end to certify you to progress onto the range to fire the weapon system. Before you go to the range then, we have a tactical block mm-hmm. where we deploy uh, in different formations. We occupy harbors, which would be harbors, hides and leaguers, so different formations when um, the Moais go static, maybe overnight. I know Decky alluded to it there in Chad and Liberia. Mm-hmm. Uh, these formations were used regularly and the harbors were used at night just to provide security. Uh, finally, then we do a, a, an exercise so we do a 72-hour exercise where we deploy and cover all the tactical information and that we would have learned. And, and our final week then is a range week. So we do four days on the range. Uh, you do your qualification shoot. Um, and that kind of consists of basic static shoot where you progress gradually into a single movement and a movement in pairs then. And you also so complete a night shoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So two vehicles moving and shooting together. So that's basically an overview of the nine weeks. And from there, then you qualify as a Moai crewman. And what you'd be looking at then would potentially deploy in overseas in that role. Something probably that I, I missed there was that the interoperability. So you learn to do both roles, driver and the gunner. Okay, so yeah. at any any time, then you, you can fuf- you can fulfill either role as required. Excellent. So then finish that and you could find yourself overseas, kind of putting all your skills and, and, and training into practice in overseas environment fairly soon after that. Definitely, yeah. It, it's the the two missions going overseas now with the cars. Once you complete your course you, within twelve months, you, you you're more than likely going to be in one of the mission areas. So that's that's a, some intense periods where you're kind of honing your skills and then then applying them in an overseas environment. So, James, thanks so much for coming in, and it's been great to chat to you. Cheers, Cheers for having us. No problem. Thanks. For further information on our armored fleet, check out our social media channels and our website military.ie. The Irish Defence Force podcast is available on Spotify, Acast and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison and Private Anya Doyle of the Defence Force's Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Force podcast will be back soon with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe. Stay safe.